Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 102 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. I am so pleased to have Mr. Paul Dean on the show with us today. Paul has led continuous improvement programs within some of our largest organisations in Australia, Nestle, Geldwin, Elsco and now Australia Post. Paul is passionate about making these programs succeed, sustain, and create a better future. Today, we'll be discussing how to achieve this by keeping it simple, making it practical, and engaging everyone. Let's get into the episode. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks, Brad. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate it, mate. Paul, what's your backstory, mate? Like, What got you eventually down to the path of getting into this field of continuous improvement and in such large organizations, which is quite often a difficult path. Well, interesting, Brad, that, uh, you know, I started as an industrial chemist a number of years ago, um, and I've been in leadership, uh, I guess, all my career. But I've uh, but I've always tried to hit the targets. So always trying to guide people to hit targets, you know, being, being in leadership, being a plant manager, the responsibilities of trying to do that. So that's always been a challenge if if you rely on the, like I had, relied on the management team or myself to actually achieve all the results. So after a period of time, I kind of realised, and and I'm sure everyone's listening to this would say, well, you know, been there, done that. But I kind of come to the conclusion that um, we need to engage everybody. If, if, if we're going to go somewhere, you can't do it on your own. So around about 2016, or, uh, 2006, I was... Uh, a GM of a cable company, and then I embarked upon, um, I like to call it going to the light side rather than the dark side, but I actually crossed over and I wanted to do some more lean uh, formal stuff. So I did a yellow, uh, green and black belt. But the thing that I learned, not just not just in the training, but the thing that I learned is how to engage people, how to get the best out of people. Um, and that was really, really exciting. So you know, in the last, you know, 15, 17 years or so, um, I've, I've done a whole lot of stuff not so well, but equally I've done a whole lot of stuff really well. And I really enjoy making people or bringing them along the journey and make, making people part of the solution. That's that's what really excites me. Yeah, wow. And, Paul, it's interesting your background too in that you made it to senior leadership. You know, you've been a general manager and then you've gone explored deeper into lean and you know areas of excellence how has that helped you having that experience of being that senior leader in that position because it's not not common with people that i get on the show no well i think um i think because i'm i'm deep down a people person um i think that the best way to bring people along in the journey is either create a really good culture which comes you know typically comes from the top but also i think the 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 biggest um, influence I can have is not necessarily being the top leader. I think 
And I, I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but I think it might be very common around the world that a lot of leaders, um, particularly senior leaders, um, you know, people don't, people aren't transparent with them. You know, so you kind of, they, they get to hear what they want to hear, not necessarily what they need to hear. So um, it's interesting, I think, moving to the other side and actually being a coach and being someone that's behind the scenes, uh, I think I'll get a lot more done. Yeah, you, you, and so what you're saying, Paul, is that there's a lot of filtering that can happen on the way that communication that gets up to a senior leader. And as a coach on to the side with them, you're able to understand a lot more. And yeah, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? That filtering effect. I think I heard Harvard once call it uh, permafrost. It's like this breakdown of communication through the middle of the organisation or something, I called it. What do you think causes that, mate? Have you got any view on what causes that within cultures like Australia and maybe some others where there is this filtering effect going up? I think I think part of it's uh, how people um, are involved in what's happening and maybe the, the communication or the depth of communication. Um, I think it's certainly part of leadership as well. So there are some really good leaders who I'm, I'm sure, Brad, you, you've experienced, you just come alongside that person and you just instantly know that person has you know, something different in terms of what they do and how they lead people. And and you go, well, I don't need to know what the organisation looks like or the business unit looks like because I've got a really good gut feel already that the culture is really right, you know. So because it kind of, it it, it kind of comes from the top, but certainly that senior leader's got to be, um, you know, got to be able to communicate, bring people on the journey, be transparent, you know, and that senior leader's also got to look out for people rather than promoting promoting themselves. And I've yeah. I've worked worked with a number of great people um, who, you know, probably within their industry, probably people wouldn't have even heard. But it's just just the way they do things, which is so exceptional. Yeah, they've got a strong leadership shadow, and I can hear Paul from what you're mentioning is. Again, it comes back to what you mentioned earlier, that involve people, engage people. But I love that word you said, the depth of communication. And I guess that depth of, um, is it trust? Or is it what well, is yeah, it trust that is, they build? Trust is part of it. But I think there's a whole lot of stuff. And that's one of the exciting things that, um, that's one of the exciting things that I've seen recently is that there's, um, there's so much more to learn, you know. And I think one of the keys um, you know, people have been talking about servant leadership, and I love the whole concept about servant leadership, um, where you know you, you're putting others first, and you're working behind the scenes, and and you you're promoting others, and uh, and that's exciting. And I've I've heard more and more of that lately than I have, you know, in the in the past. Yeah, it's becoming a big topic. I've heard that um, out of the agile world, there's new courses being built right now on leaders who serve. So this whole concept of serving people, customers, society and the planet that's coming so strong now, it has such great connotations to it, doesn't it? Mm. But boy, it makes for a big job, doesn't it? Well, yeah, look, it's not easy. And, and particularly, I think, if you, haven't, um, if you haven't worked that way in the past, it's a really slow journey to change. Mm. But, um, and, and, and I think there's got to be a lot of reasons to change. Um, because a lot of leaders, you know, um, you know, typically been doing it for years. So breaking the old habits is, is not so easy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it gets, it, this depends, you know, 
a lot of the leaders that I've come across, um, they have their go-to levers. And when things aren't working, they'll pull a lever left or right, you know, to try and get a, a um, you know, a reaction or try and meet a target. Um, but it's when you come in, you go, well, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do by engaging everybody. Mm. You know, I have this old saying that, um, which I've used for a number of years, is what's the easiest way to change the course of the Queen Mary? Mm. And and the easiest way is using a thousand dolphins. Yeah. So I believe if everyone's pulling their 1%, then the ship will move. If you leave it up to the skipper, then, it, you know, it's going to turn, but it's going to take a long, long time to turn. But but if it's up to everybody in the organisation to change what they're control of, um, you know, great things can happen. Yeah, that's neat. That whole alignment piece, people pulling in the same direction, it's, it's yeah. powerful. Well, who are some people that inspired you throughout your career and sort of helped you build your knowledge and grow to what you've achieved? Well, I've had the real um, privilege of working with, um, you know, a number of really great people at Nestle. Um, I've met people who who just saw and, and, and implemented Lean in a completely different way. And, uh, you know, so I did my training. I did six years of the yellow, green and black belt. And then I went into Nestle and I just saw a whole new way of doing things. And, and I guess having role models, um, you know, and, and I don't want to mention any names, but um, just having role models who um, modelled it differently. And I thought, that's, that's great. And so there, there's been a number of people that have just done things differently. And, and I like to be teachable, and I think that's one of the qualities that that I think is very important in the leader, to be teachable. So I don't know all the answers, but I can facilitate um, a solution with people who perhaps know the answers. Yeah. Um, but actually getting people involved, um, you know, one of the things I love to do. But it's interesting that uh, along the way I've encountered people who, um, you know, not necessarily highly academic, but have just got a, a new way of doing something or a different way of doing something to achieve a different result. So, you know, I might be plugging it away at, at one methodology, right, and I've encountered this person who's flipped it on its head and done things differently. Like I've, I've um, connected uh, a couple of years ago, I connected with this guy in northern Queensland who runs his own improvement business, and he's doing, um, you know, introduction of lean transformation in, in a totally new, different way. And when I first saw it, I thought, yeah, look, that's that's really academic and it's not going to work. Um, and uh, and when I started to investigate it, I thought, this is really good stuff, you know. Wow. And, and, and what he's doing, he, he's, he's, he's not talking – I mean, he's talking lean. If you, if you listen to him, it's lean, right? It's 100% lean. But when he's talking about it, he's talking about the mechanics of business improvement. And I'm thinking – and he's talking to people who – who aren't leanified and and you know maybe have um, not interested in the academic side of lean or six sigma, but he's talking about the same stuff and he's developed these models that are actually able to communicate in in a totally different way. And when I started researching what he's doing, I thought that's good stuff. Mm. That's really really brilliant. And I was just you know like I'm, I'm I am at the moment. I was a little bit gobsmacked and I said to him, I said. Uh, you know what you've got. You you might have half a dozen clients, and and it's only it's only you and another person, right? But 
this could really change the way we do lean in Australia. It, it really is powerful, you know, because it's not, and, that, and that's why I like to keep it simple, because a simple model can communicate what we need to do in transformation so well. Yeah, that's amazing, especially to, like you said, keeping it, it sounds like he's made it local. He's got it in that common language. He's brought his own models, his own way to it, not something else that people can often rebuck or feel like that's not us. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure you've seen it, Brad, that when you get, when you get the working model of lean, you go, you know, the, the house of lean's been done to death, right? Um, but, you know, there's variations of it. And, and it's, all, it's all very powerful, but sometimes when people don't get it, you know, maybe the house of lean would work for a, you know, a building organisation because they get the whole concept. But when you're talking to, you know, like, uh, you know, industrial type people, um, you know, fabrication businesses, the house of lean doesn't work, you know, but maybe you use a set of cogs in a, in a twine working together at the right ratio where actually will make a difference. And then when you start talking that language, automatically they understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? And I guess it links to the topic of today, doesn't it? Like we've spoken a lot about engaging people and how you engage people, but those three pillars you're talking about, Paul, look, really focus on the keep it simple, make it practical and engage everyone. Why is that so important, do you think? Like why are those three elements that you you base a lot of your focus on so critical? Brad, I think it I think it comes down to um, a couple of things, but it comes down to sustainability. It comes down to moving an organisation in the right direction. And I think this kind of way of thinking, it's not it's not unique, but um, I think this way of thinking suits any type of business. I think sometimes we in the lean space, we unfortunately I I think we try to overcomplicate it because we think it needs to be academic. Um, but it's really about, um, you know, keeping it simple is really about fundamentally is, you know, you're communicating to a, a wide audience, you know, what is the key messages that you want to um, engage people with and, and how is that message going to get across? And I think having a key message really starts with a good strategy, you know. Does it need to be 20-page PowerPoint presentation? No. It needs to be one page, like we were saying before, you know, if it's a construction business, yeah, you have a house. If it's um, if it's a fabrication business, you have some metal and cogs and stuff like that. You know, if it's, you know, whatever the whatever the message allows you to communicate, um, is important. But but keeping it simple really starts with having a good strategy, having a real well thought out plan, um, and and executing that plan in the right pace. You know, not trying to, um. You know, go fast um, to get the wins on the board um, or get the sugar hit, not going too fast where, you know, it, it really then revolves around a couple of people, you know. Um, yeah, well, I, I resonate with that so much, mate. Like, you know, I've had so many guests on the show and covered so many topics. And what you said there is have a plan, keep it simple and get everyone focused on it. It's such a part of it that keep it simple, isn't it? Like if I look at theory of constraints, it talks about have a goal and find your constraint and move towards the goal in a very simple way. Toyota Carter, have a goal, you know, and move into the grade or a shorter term goal. And agile is the same like that. Have a plan and move your way into it. It's a basis of business, isn't it? It's like 
yeah. University 101, but typically that plan sits with the executive in a lot of companies I see. It, it doesn't get – people at the middle management or front line don't – a lot of the time don't get help to form their plan. And yeah. Is that well, what you see or do you see that differently in the companies that you've worked with? Well, I, I, um, I tripped over and I use that phrase, um, you know, jokingly, but I tripped over a methodology from Franklin Covey called um, – 4DX, yeah. or the four disciplines of execution. And um, I had a senior exec in one of the companies I worked for come to me and said, um, I've heard about this Franklin Covey 4DX and I want to implement it. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's uh, I don't know anything about it. But also Franklin Covey, it's not going to be cheap, right? So um, I thought I better have a look at this stuff. And I started looking at it and I thought, um, boy, that's simple. And I'm thinking, um it, it, it is really the um, – I, I don't know if, if you're perhaps any, any people going to listen to this, um, know a little bit about it, but it really is the fundamentals of lean, yeah. you know, and, and it's done in a way that really keeps it simple. And, and Franklin Covey have done a great job in terms of communicating the simplicity of it without, without, chat, without um, you know, hiding the, pow- the, the power that's in it. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I'm a big believer, and this is pretty radical, right, but um, I'm a big believer that obviously the senior executives have got to be on board with any lean transformation. You know, that's a given, right? But do they need to be the ones driving it? I reckon, so this is pretty radical, I reckon the middle management is the sweet spot where you drive lean transformation. And, and I'll explain why I think that way. And, and I've been doing this for the last so many years that I think that middle managers, um, if you look at the, the, the person, they're, they're normally passionate about what they do. They're, they're normally, um, you know, they wear their heart on the sleeve. Um, they work long hours. Um, they're, they're normally promoted into the role for perhaps the wrong reasons, like there's a gap and they've got to step up. Um, but but who are they? They they they're time poor, and, and they're um, you know they really need to be um, um, the, you know the drivers of the solution. So by using those middle managers, you can manage up, which I don't like that phrase, but you know you can you can manage up, but you can also manage down. And and I I did a couple of exercises way back where um, you do a value add exercise on a middle manager say perhaps in a like a production manager in a manufacturing environment, right? Time poor, you know, um, passionate, enthusiastic, you know, go above and beyond. But at the end of the day, they're burning themselves out. So you do a value add and you find all the things that don't add value to their role, right? And that obviously a precursor to, you know, leader standard work. So we'll find out what the things that they they, they do because they think it's important, but at the end of the day, it, it detracts them from doing the value stuff, right? So you do the bit of the waste hunt on what their tasks are. You drive out all the things that um, are wasteful, and then what happens is you get back to the core business of what this person's supposed to do. So typically what happens is they find they've got more energy to think. They've got more time to do the tasks. They've got more time to talk to the people they're managing or leading. Um and that way, then they actually engage the people who report to them. And then because they're, they're the ones that are actually, in a, in a lot of ways, driving at the front line, 
their senior bosses actually see the benefits. So I know it's radical and, and I'm sure it's probably not unique, but I've, I've been doing that for a long time. And, um, and, and and I guess also the other thing is I like, and I've been, I've been in that role. So I know what it's like and I know it's difficult. Um, and you don't want to burn people out because as soon as you burn people out, they're, they're, they're disengaged. And unfortunately, and I think it's a global thing, but unfortunately what happens is if people are disengaged, they're disengaged long before they leave the organisation. So rather than waiting for them to pull the pin, um, let's let's look after them. Let's treat them properly. They're an important asset. Um, so that's, you know, that's, and I think that's where it comes to, um, you know, the, the second bit, which is really making it practical is a lot of these people in middle middle management are very practically minded people so let's make things practical let's learn by doing it you know let's not be too overly academic um with charts and graphs and powerpoints and that kind of stuff i mean that's important because that's the level of communication to certain levels right but let's be practical let's let's learn by doing and then let's engage people and i think one of the things that's really powerful is, is engaging people, you know, engaging people in the journey. And I've encountered a number of senior people who, you know, they, they want the sugar hit, they want the results straight away, they want the instant return on investment, which is very important, right? But you can do that um, just as long as you don't um, ruin the sustainability. So you can invest all this time in it, but if it's not sustainable and falls over, the typical people that get burnt when it falls over is those middle managers downwards. Yeah. And I've been in organisations where, you know, um, oh, yeah, no, we've done that before. That doesn't work. Oh, well, I'm going to do it a different way. But, Paul, it doesn't work. Oh, okay. <laughs> so let me find another way. To, let me find another way. Hey, by the way, we can we can make improvements to you and your tasks as a priority, you know. Yeah, and those I know what you're saying with those middle managers, they're sort of squished, aren't they? They've got a lot of noise and pressure coming up at them, but they've also got pressure and noise coming down on them. So they're they're really sandwiched in the middle. And I can see that concept of keeping it simple because they like you said, they're typically that they don't like the overcomplicated academic elements in many cases and focus on saving them time you know, honing more on the value, helping them in some simple form of leader standard work and making it practical. That's powerful, Paul. That's yeah. really good. I was and, just I was just thinking of many middle managers that I know as you talked about that. And I was like, wow, that would really help. Yeah. And I'm not um I'm not certainly not uh, advocating that it shouldn't be, you know, uh, academic or it shouldn't be um, you know, a really strong theory. I'm certainly not advocating that. But I think we have to match what we want to transform with the capacity and the capability of the transformee. You know, it's um, and I've been in organisations where, you know, um, some people go, oh, that's just too simple. OK, that's that's all right. You're ahead of the game. Um, you just wait a little while to catch up. Right. But um, it, it can't be it can't. I don't think it can be ever too simple, you know, um, but. It's important to, to start simple. And one of the organisations I worked with went through this whole cycle of improvement and came to the conclusion we need to go back to the basics, you know, which is kind of like, 
let's go back to being a bit simple, you know. Um, and that's certainly not a derogative, derogative term, you know, being, but go back to make it clear and easy to do and sustainable and bring everyone in, along in the journey. Because yeah. we're dealing with, look, I've, you know, most of my experience has been manufacturing and we're dealing with um, people who, you know, are great people, but for whatever reason, maybe English is not their um, their first language. Maybe their academic level is, is you know, middle of high school. Um, and But, you know, great, passionate people who are willing to make a difference. So let's make something, implement something that's simple to do, that they can master, that they can actually make a difference. And if there's other people in the group that are actually, um, you know, more academic, then maybe they just have to wait a little while for everyone else to catch up. Yeah, get onto that side of things. Time is a precious resource right now. You know, we're all caught in the whirlwind of this day-to-day noise and I think it's only getting busier. So many leaders I talk to dream of getting back to a calm place, you know, at work and at home to have time to make things better for their families and their employees. Studies have shown that over 70% of leaders and managers are overwhelmed right now. The positive element of that is that 30% are not. Um, I found myself in the place of overburden as a senior leader years ago. You know, it timed in with the birth of my first child, Emily and I had Charlie, and it was really good in that regard because it kicked me into gear to actually start researching heavily how to get control of time and um, get out of the whirlwind of just pace and noise and get back to a place of calm where my head can be there for Em and for Charlie and for the team I was leading. I created out of that the time optimization program which is a process you can go through that draws on best practices to break yourself out of the whirlwind and improve and take time more for your people and also for your family. The program is on our website. We normally charge for it, but we're putting it up there for free at the moment. For a limited time, I don't know if we'll stay for free forever. You can visit our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash shop to get hold of our brand new time optimization program, which could help you and your organization and your leaders break out of the whirlwind and get time for what's most important, our people and our family. And you'll be able to hopefully make some real gains. The first step that links to Paul's episode is the value waste analysis, which we have called the individual time assessment. You can go straight to that step and just do that really fast and get dramatic gains. I hope it helps you and many others save time, break out of the whirlwind and get to more of what's most important in life. Let's get back to the episode. Well, you gave a good example of making it practical with engaging a middle manager and doing a value analysis and, you know, helping them sort of create some form of simple leader standard work. Are there any other examples of practical approaches to helping people learn and grow that you've seen really work? Oh, I reckon um, I reckon 5S, um, and, and I've had this conversation with a number of people and with different responses, but I I think 5S, um, and I've got this theory that, that the true 5S is really a parallel to a lean transformation, you know. So by actually going in and doing something and, and, and finding out where the current state's at and then working out what the improvements are to get to a future state and then having your routine involved to sustain it, I really think that 5S is quite powerful. So, you know, leader standard work is, is great, um, but even 5S, a 5S activity is, is really great activity um, if, if done well, 
a really great activity to make a transformation and probably a small transformation, but have everyone collaborate on that transformation. And then once you clear the forest, then you can see the trees. And then people go, oh, now I know exactly what you're talking about. So why don't we do this and why don't we do that? And, and then the only challenge then is um, how do we accelerate the pace? You know, do we go too fast, too quick, or do we just, you know, let's embed what we've got, learn from what we've got, um, teach everyone else the benefits. And, and I've been doing 5S, um, you know, the last little while with my employer I work with. And the interesting thing is that I'm, I want to do 5S in an area and the area people own that, so they own the plan, they own the result, and then they tr then they communicate that with the other shifts. So then between the two shifts, they collaborate, and the next thing you know, both shifts are aligned. There might be some improvements, but my, both shifts are then aligned, and then there's more and more people owning the plan. You know, so. Yeah, so I think 5S is certainly one of those things that uh, is quite powerful, maybe underrated, but certainly powerful. Yeah, I love how it, it, it all bolts together, doesn't it, what you're talking about, Paul, you know, help people form a plan, potentially use a simple system like 40X, which basically ticks the boxes, doesn't it, and is very good. Make it practical and help the leader free up time, which will then give him or her bandwidth in a practical, simple way, and then apply 5S thinking to their main constraint right now or their main problem that's stopping them moving forward towards their plan. Like it all bolts together so beautifully, doesn't it, in a simple yeah. way. Like you're saying, overlay the practical approach, physically in there, getting your hands dirty, doing stuff right the way through it. Yeah, and I, I'd probably add daily visual management to that as mm -hmm. well. I've been very passionate. Um, a lot of my LinkedIn posts are very uh, centred around um, you know, daily visual management, daily stand-up meetings, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm really passionate because, you know, the, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, unless you, unless you measure what, what you're doing, you can't change it. So, so rather than having, having a chart, and I'm not against digitalization, this, these things, but if you're not, if you're not um, measuring anything and communicating where you're at with the, the wider audience, then it really relies on the person who's got the data to actually drive drive an outcome. But if you display that and you have meetings around that information, um, that, that's quite powerful. And then if you progress and you mature, then yeah, okay, let's then make an improvement. Let's go to a digital uh, version of that. And, and, and when I was a few years ago um, with an organisation I worked with, there was... Um, there was that environment where um, the, the daily visual boards, whiteboards, um, you know, we used to do that, but we fell over. Let's reintroduce it. But the environment was so conducive to improve it. Pretty quickly, they said, yeah, and we're, we're across that. I said, well, let's pilot a digital version of it. Well, you know, we don't have the money to buy the big screen. I said, let's just buy, uh, you know, a 55-inch or a 75-inch uh, touch panel, you know, okay, five green, but let's let's buy that and let's run all your reports and that using your finger rather than using a texter uh, or a marker and um, have it there 24-7. And, and it was just such a great environment. But I'm a big believer, you know, if you're mature, yeah, do that. But if you're not mature yet, let's start simple. Yeah. 
And I can understand too the linking to keeping it simple and practical with that visual management too, because you know a plan gets forgotten if it's not visualised somewhere, doesn't it? So if it doesn't come to life on that visual board or that TV touch panel TV, like you said, yeah, it's probably collecting and, dust somewhere. Yeah, and there is a there is a well known psychological principle about the power of the pen, mm. um, and it's just just not for lean circles. It's actually quite well documented that if people actually write stuff. And if you write it on a board, you actually own it. It's it's a subconscious um, driver that actually you own it. So if you've got people coming to the board and colouring in charts, it might sound simplistic, but they actually own it, you know, and it actually gets them to, okay, um, I own that number, right, and I need other people there to help me to to drive it to improvement. Yeah, neat, neat. They get their fingerprints all over it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. So... But we've got keep it simple, make it practical, and we've spoken about some really key elements to that, 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 you know, the plan, the saving value analysis with the leader and leader standard work, and then on to 5S and visual work, visualising that plan and visual work with the performance boards. What what does engage everyone look like, mate? What That's the third element we're going to talk about today, engage everyone. What does that look like and what's that about? I think um, I think probably all the things we've talked about is where we can really engage people. So initially, it starts with having a good strategy and a plan that's simplistic enough that it can communicate to to everybody. Um, collaborate with people about the transformation. You know, um, I think I think it works well when you engage or or you're involved. Sorry, initially involve people from a wide audience. This is where we're going to take the organisation. This is where we're going to take the business unit from from point A to point B, and we need uh, everybody involved. Now you can't have everybody involved at the same time because there's no one going to be able to do what's required to run the business, right? But but if you take selected people, um, you know, through expression expression of interest or whatever, and you start to involve them in the plan, um, listen to people. You know, a lot of leaders. Um, think perhaps they listen to people, but perhaps they don't actually listen to people. But it might take a lot longer. But let's let's involve people, let's listen to them, let's collaborate with them, create a plan. So that's part of the engagement. Um, training is very important, and I'm not necessarily talking about um, you know classroom type training. I, I'm a big believer in in practical learn by doing, but there's still got to be training. So you match the training. Um, type and, and amount with the, the the gap or the capacity or the or the um, availability of people that kind of stuff um, and then um, that's the engaging part um, the learn by doing is very important but also think then that um, we need people involved in the solution so you know brainstorming for a root cause analysis or even a waste hunt ra- rather than having a manager run the waste hunt Get a group of people, go out in the area and talk about what are the challenges in this area, do a little bit of training. And I like to do the the, the waste hunt activity where um, we do the training at the coalface. So we're not doing it in the classroom. We're talking about at the coalface, this is what we're going to do. Um, we want to hear to brainstorm a whole lot of ideas. So, you know, everything we do, I think we should be trying to engage people, um, bring them along in the journey so that they can be part of the solution. Yeah, I guess that whole involve people and they will understand a lot more right out of the get-go, won't they? Well, what do you what do you 
like we've spoken about some really powerful stuff today and and stuff that i can see will just avoid resistance you know keeping it simple helping free up time making it practical and engaging and involving everyone what do you believe stops organizations doing this like what would you say are the big barriers to organizations that impact keeping it simple making it practical engaging everyone yeah no that's a good question so i would probably think there's probably probably a few reasons why um it doesn't work um i think i've mentioned one before where you know um we want the return on investment immediate and and i get that you know um a lot of organizations don't have the luxury to wait for things so there's a, a balance between getting the the lower hanging fruit the, the the quick wins on the board to gain momentum but also to satisfy the investment because sometimes the investment and we're not i'm not necessarily talking about capital investment but we're talking about time um we want to return that's very important but i think sometimes we we go into a lean transformation expecting this thing to happen overnight i mean you know in a very short time frame so I think the pressure in order for it to achieve um, a very quick return is one of the things that perhaps um, either stops organisations doing it or it kind of falls over or stumbles as we go. Um, I kind of thinking that that not involving a wider audience can also have, um, you know, damaging effect. You know, um, I think in order for organisations to transform, everybody's got to know why we're doing it you know um, I, I generally feel that most people will want to make a difference but some people it, it it's not in there they're not in that headspace to be able to to get involved you know I just want to do my job which is fine right but I think we need to um, we need to understand uh, get the communication across where this is something that's going to make a difference to our organisation. It's going to make it safer. It's going to build quality, which is very important to how we service our customers. It's going to improve our performance, which is very important to our bottom line. And, and everyone's going to be uh, able to contribute to making a difference. When you start talking like that and you have a credible plan and a strategy, um, I reckon it's important. Um, and I think it's, it's quite powerful. I think sometimes when it's not collaborative across the organization or it's restricted to a few people i think that's probably where organizations could trip up or it, it falls over um you know in in the future the, i think the probably the other one and i'm not sure because i'm not a um i'm not an expert at this but i really feel that culture in organization or the culture in a business unit is also very important so if we want to bring change change is always difficult no matter how much change it's always difficult but having the right environment where you know people are respected people are listened to people are part of the solution i think that you know goes a long way of uh bringing in lean transformation um and so there's a lot of things with culture um, and some people, like like we talked about um, initially, I think there's some people that perhaps um, have to change the way they do things, um, but it's not a change overnight. You know, to, to develop new ways of doing things 
is not not that easy. But I think that's why I think at the moment there's a lot of information going around about how to be a good leader, you know, how to be a good, you know, oh, my God, what does that look like? You know, do I have to give everybody control and I don't have any control? No, you know, and I've, I've worked uh, amongst people that are, that, you know, if you didn't know what servant leadership, servant leadership looked like, you could say, oh, look, let me pull up Wikipedia and I'll find their photo in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Servant leadership really seems like a key to the path of excellence going forward on with you, Paul, because it builds that environment of trust and that we've got each other's back and that we're in it to ultimately all work together to get better outcomes especially on safety and then getting that real customer focus doesn't it like it's yeah. it's massive but then those other two too just you're talking about driving it too hard and too fast that's you can see how that can just kill it because it's like you're not giving people enough time to get their head around it or be developed because when you're trying to keep it simple, make it practical and involve everyone, well, it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of manpower and a little bit of effort, doesn't it? It's more of a coaching approach rather yeah. than let's get everyone in the classroom. Two days later, right, you're trained. Off you go and do it. You know, yeah. swipe of the hands. Like, well, that, that I does had, not work. I had a senior leader come to me a number of years ago and had read somewhere. Oh, actually, either he'd read it somewhere or someone had had told him about it over a beer and he said oh, i want to bring in the hoshin canary x matrix and and i'd done this before right and i thought uh yeah okay but you know we're really at the beginning of our loon journey it might be a little bit complicated no no that's going to be good okay so let's try something a little bit more simple first and then if it works then we can we can go to the next stage of you know um using an x matrix but i think sometimes we just gotta we don't maybe it's about trying to avoid and maybe that's not the example but trying to avoid being too clever you know because who who are we trying to communicate with the people in our organization does it look good if we go to a, a um you know trade breakfast and we say oh by the way i'm using x matrix you know um yeah. but it's really about results and it's about engaging people which fundamentally is what an x matrix does right it looks at it looks at what you want to achieve and who's going to do something to achieve it. And yeah. by the way, it's in this kind of you know three D model that helps yeah. people to get their head around it. Yeah, set some measures, set some projects of focus, and some people requirements and capability, and off you go. Yeah. But yeah. well, one question I've got, mate, on the piece of involving every everyone, and I worked for an organisation before where I rolled it out, and we we went. We went wide and not deep, you know, so we involved everyone and just got just got a plan in place with everyone and visual visual management up and going so that they can see their plan and get moving forward. And at the time, I, I was thinking, should we be going an inch wide, a mile deep? And, um, you know, it, it's, it's actually worked. So it's still stuck there. I went for a Gemba walk, a walk on the front line the other last earlier this week. And it's all there. Okay, there's a few bits that are a bit shaky, but the framework's still there. It's still being used, and they're getting gains from it, which is amazing. But in a in a company, I'm talking a company of 300 people. There, you've worked for some companies of tens of thousands. How do you how do you spread yourself to be able to get enough bandwidth to 
really do that good, keeping it simple, making it practical, engaging and coaching approach across such large organisations? Because you've been in many of them and leading that. Well, that's that's a really good a really good question, Brad. And I think I think your example is a great example because depending on the organisation, uh, a lot of leaders in business units. So if I'm if I'm in an organisation that's got multiple business units, they typically the business unit leaders, GMs, branch managers, whatever you want to call them, they're not they normally naturally talk to each other, right? So I want to develop advocates that can spruik what I believe in. Um, and I don't, so I've got a couple of options, right? I can actually do a pilot area and really cook it, and then people have, people have got to learn from it, right? Or what I can do is I can do a shallow dive, right? And use that um, business unit to spruik or to communicate to other business units. And that's what I've done recently, which is great because you know, if if you're a lean practitioner for been a lean practitioner for a number of years, you might come in and go, oh, that's pretty simple. Um, but they're not doing, you know, root cause analysis, or they're not doing what what are you know the next steps, right? But that's okay because what they're doing is they're they we're doing uh, piece by piece. We're doing perhaps like daily visual management and 5S, right? Which is great to start with, and then the leader of that or multiple leaders in that business unit. Are actually talking to other business units, and then you get a call out of the blue from a business unit, um, and and my employer, there's there's quite a number of business units, right? And to cover the resources in a normal lean transformation, you'd require thousands of people, or maybe hundreds of people, right? But if if one person talks to another person and says, oh, by the way, this Paul Dean guy, he came in and talked about this, and we started it, and actually pretty easy. And it really works. And I'm now engaging all my staff. And actually, instead of one person, now there's 100 people involved in the transformation. Right? So somebody rings me, which happens quite often, says, oh, we want to do this. And I said, fine. Um, we've got lean champions. Um, and they're the advocates. So it's not just me saying it. It's actually, um, I'm actually teaching others to fish. Yeah. You know? and, and there's pluses and minuses with that. Obviously, the the, the 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 disadvantage with that is that you kind of the more it happens the more you lose control of it right um, but if you're only limiting to a certain um, you know a couple of pieces of methodology it really is powerful the other the other advantage of course is that it might come across people who are very creative um, yeah. and so what happens is they actually take it to a different level and then you learn from them you go, Oh my God, that's really good. Um, I'm going to share that with everyone else, and they typically say, "Oh, yeah, if you want to, I didn't think it was that good." But I said, "That's really great, fantastic, right?" And then you go, you 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 look back to the first people and you show what's been transformed, and the next thing you go, you got this um, flywheel effect where people are actually just um, working together to improve it. Yeah, but but yeah. I would be I I I'd, I'd be doing what. Um, I'd be doing what you're doing, Brad, is is just doing that across, you know, and, and linking people together to say, well, it doesn't revolve around me. You yeah. know, talk to this guy who's now experienced it. Yeah, you're training the trainers and teaching them to fish, but then also to what really sounds like you're playing that connector and building community at the same time, this community yeah. of, of adopters. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I guess it can spread very fast in a very big organisation like you're at with Australia Post at the moment. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Mate, what would be your two-minute enterprise excellence tip in your area of expertise to listeners? You've got two minutes in an elevator. What would you, what okay. would you say to someone looking to try and improve their organisation? Well, I think, um, I think we've talked about it already, but I think there would be probably a few steps. You know, um, make a good plan. Have a strategy and make a good plan. Um, get people involved in that plan. Um, make them part of the solution and not just um, bystanders. Um, you know, take everyone along in the journey. You know, even if it's going to take a little longer, I think it's really important that the the organisation grows together. So have so have a strong strategy plan, well thought out plan. Communicate that plan. Get people involved. Um, start simple, you know, if it's daily man daily visual management and then 5S, you know, maybe that's not rocket science, but that's a good starting point. You know, get people to understand the drivers that can really make a difference, get people involved, and and then um, and then you create a platform, and the platform then is a solid platform, then you can start building upon it, which is the house of lean. Let's build a platform and let's start, start to put walls up. Yeah, it's really cool. And, Paul, what's, what's been a recent insight for you, mate? What's been something that you've learnt recently that you didn't know before? Um, what I haven't learned before, I think one of the things that stands out to me at the moment is, you know, spending time, spending time with people and encouraging people and the respect for people. You know, I've always had, because I'm a people person, I've always had respect for people, but, but I think... Um, over the years, that's become more to the to the top of my list. So I'm always going to be always going to try to be as respectful as I can, regardless of who they are, the language they speak, their background, whatever whatever the history is. I'm going to be respectful, and I think I think that is to me that is the paramount thing. And and because coming from that, you build connection, and everybody wants to be connected. Um, unfortunately, COVID causes to slip up on that. But, you know, everyone wants to be connected and everyone wants to contribute to make a difference. So I really think having the respect for people and the love and care for people in their tasks, I think that's paramount. It's the main ingredient, I think, Paul, to what you're saying for leaders who serve. You know, without that respect, it would be really hard to serve anyone, wouldn't it? I think the, it, it's always blown my mind on that topic too, Paul, where I'll, I'll go into an area where the culture's to toxic. You know, the sometimes the leader feels their employees are idiots and, the, of course, the employees are looking at the leader that he or she's an idiot. And then you, you go down there and you're understanding these people and one of them does up hot rods on the weekend and the other one, you know, is a, a bike rider who's in top five in, in Queensland for their riding. And, you know, like you've got to respect everyone because everyone has a story and everyone has capability. And when you lose that respect, that's when it just spirals, doesn't it? I, I came across something a few years ago in how to write emails. And one of the things that the, the, the very first line in the email is so critically important, you know, um, how, how you doing? I hope you're doing well. Right now, the, the half a dozen words, it really is not going to take 
a lot of time. And if you leap with that, you know, um, you, you instantly engage somebody in whatever you've got to you've got to say. You know, um, obviously, if it's if it's a really tough conversation, maybe that's not not the right leading, right? But if you if you're looking to engage somebody, having the right introduction into an email is so very important. Because the other thing, of course, is technology these days, either on our phone or popping up as a as a message on our emails, is the tagline, is the first couple of lines. And so that's what you see. And so, you know, if you see, um, you know, hi, Brad, uh, how are you doing? You know, I hope you're doing well. You know, you, you're kind of more open to a better result than if you just hit to the ch- cut to the chase and say, you know, hey, by the way, I need this and I need this straight away. Yeah, lead with respect. Lead with respect. Servant yeah. leaders who serve. It's amazing, mate. Paul, how can people reach out to you or learn more from you if as I, as you go forward in your career with what you're doing within some of our largest organisations? Well, I, I love to um, do stuff on LinkedIn. Um, I've got quite a number of followers. Um, I'm really humbled by that. I don't necessarily know why people follow me, but that's great. Um, but also people direct message me. I do receive quite a lot of messages, people asking for things, how do you do this, how do you do that? So, yeah, look, I'd love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, If they've got something specific, you know, drop me a direct message. Um, I'm always open to help. Um, I normally get to respond to people fairly quickly within a day or so, Um, even if I get, you know, sometimes I get, you know, 20, 30 messages a day. But that's okay. Um, and the other one is I've got a YouTube uh, channel. Um, so it's just Paul Dean. Um, very simple. So I've got a YouTube channel which is full of um, uh, continuous improvement content that I've created and, and I've developed. So, yeah, I think they're the two things. But certainly uh, just connect with me and LinkedIn. That'll be the easiest way. Well, Paul, thank you, mate. Thanks for everything you have done and will continue to do to help us create a better future, mate. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Paul. Bye for now. Thank you. Remember, you can go to our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash shop to get hold of the brand new time optimization program, which could help you and your organization and your leaders break out of the whirlwind and get back to what's most important, our people and our family. The program is on our website. We normally charge for it, but we're putting it up there for free at the moment for a limited time. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. The first one is don't overcomplicate things. Lean, agile, and other excellence models are really simple at the heart of them. You know, they focus on creating cultures of continuous improvement and innovation, and most of the baseline philosophies are very basic. You know, we've overcomplicated them with big words, academic techniques, and also the training that we do, which I gotta admit, I cringed a fair bit through the episode with Paul, thinking with some of the training I do. You know, this aligns to my view, but that we need to help organizations create their own way, their own language, take what they already do well, learn from these great practices and create your own model, your own approach and own training even to then move forward with. I think it's a key aspect of achieving excellence and sustainability in these practices. The second key takeaway for me was the discussion on helping middle management save time, you know, initially through a value analysis and improvement. What do they do in their roles that creates value day to day for their external customers and internal, which are their team and also the next team in their process, you know, whoever they serve within the business, their internal customer. 
What are they doing that does not fall into these categories of value? You know, this is waste. You know, of the waste, what can we eliminate or reduce now to save time? This is a very simple process that can create amazing results, particularly when leaders are so busy in their current environment. And remember my call out to the time optimization program you can get for free for a limited time, potentially ongoing. Thanks again for your time and knowledge, Paul. Thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.